Okay, so today we'll start with a new book, uh, one of the minor prophets of Malachi, uh, chapter one. And we'll take a look at the first uh, five verses, uh, starting with a brief uh, introduction of how this book fits uh, within the Jewish uh, history. And uh, then there are two main topics that we see uh, in this chapter. One is, uh, it speaks about the burden of God, which uh, reminds us why Malachi wrote this book or what was the prophecy about. And the second part speaks about the love of God, and we can close with some reflection on what we learned from this passage. So when we were going through the book of Deuteronomy, we were reminded uh, constantly uh, what we should do uh, with the word of God. So we need to hear the word of God. We need to understand and meditate upon the word of God so that it takes root uh, in our heart so that when we are faced with uh, situations, we can apply the word uh, to make good decisions. And we were also told that we need to teach uh, the word to our children and to others. And we also need to display the word or we need to uh, testify of the word. So in other words, uh, our life uh, should testify uh, the word that we are hearing and the word that we are applying to our lives. So we need to keep that in mind so that uh, we are not simply uh, accumulating knowledge, but we are also using it uh, in our lives to change our lives. And it's always good uh, when we are going through a passage to uh, put it in a historical context. So we'll just take uh, a few minutes, uh, just kind of going through some parts of how it fits and why it was written. So we went through this uh, when we were going through the book of Deuteronomy. We know that the people of Israel, uh, they were in bondage uh, in Egypt. And God called Moses uh, to deliver them uh, from that bondage and by confronting Pharaoh, by using 10 plagues, and eventually they received the freedom. And we saw how they uh, moved uh, towards the promised land and God did many miracles, uh, including taking them through the Red Sea and feeding them uh, with manna and providing for them water from a rock and other miracles that they saw. And we also saw that Moses and the first generation, they were not able to enter uh, the promised land uh, because of their lack of faith. And for Moses, uh, because of the disobedience of uh, smite, uh, smiting the rock instead of speaking to the rock when God told him. And eventually Moses, Joshua is the one uh, who would lead the people of Israel uh, into the promised land. So we didn't talk about that, but that's where uh, the book of Deuteronomy ended. And after Joshua, we see 12 judges uh, in the history of Israel. And after that, the people of Israel, they started asking for a king. So that's when God appointed uh, King Saul through prophet Samuel, uh, followed by King uh, David, then followed by King uh, Solomon. And after King Solomon, we know that the kingdom of Israel was divided uh, into north and south uh, during King Solomon's uh, son's reign. So that's where uh, the book of Malachi kind of picks up. Uh, we know after that, the Israel were taken captive. And after that, Judah, they were also taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And both the Jerusalem and the first temple that was built uh, by Solomon was destroyed. And the people of Israel were in exile. And during uh, the reign of King of uh, Persia, we saw that a decree was signed so that the people of Israel can come back uh, to Israel and they can start uh, rebuilding. And the return, uh, we see that it happened in three stages. Uh, in the first stage, 
we had a Zerubbabel who laid the foundation for the temple. Then during time of Ezra, the second temple was completed. And we know from the book of Nehemiah, the first few chapters, that the wall was completed. So that is where we are uh, in the book of Malachi around 400 to 450 BC. So it is the last book uh, in the Old Testament. And after that, there is a 400 year silence before John the Baptist and Lord Jesus Christ uh, come into the scene. And when we look uh, at the history of Israelites, we see that they enjoyed God's favor, but at the same time, uh, they were also punished uh, for their disobedience, uh, especially after the law was given, uh, which made it very clear uh, what were the blessings uh, they would enjoy if they obey, and what was the punishment that would come if they would disobey. So they saw uh, both sides of God. They saw the love of God and also the justice of God. But as we go to the book of Malachi, we see that the people of Israel, they haven't really uh, learned the lesson. So that is why a prophet is raised uh, so that they can, uh, they can be brought back uh, to God. So book of Malachi means, Malachi means uh, my messenger. And in this case, uh, the message is given to the uh, Israelites. And there is no distinction between made between north or southern uh, south. So we can assume that it applies to all the Israelites. And as we go through the book, uh, we can also see that uh, it applies to us uh, even today uh, as individuals and also as a church and maybe also as a nation. And the timing, as we said, would be around 450 to 400 BC uh, after the Israelites came back. And when we read the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, we find similar messages. So we can uh, uh, assume that perhaps uh, it was written uh, around the same time. So after the book of Malachi, we see that the Old Testament ends and we have the intertestamental period, which is for about uh, 400 years. And the silence is broken by John the Baptist, followed by Lord Jesus Christ. And both of that are actually prophesied uh, in the book of Malachi, which is the amazing part. So, so we see that the book of Bible, the Bible is inspired book and it flows from Genesis to Revelation uh, because the author and the spirit is the same, even though uh, it may be written by different people but we see a lot of consistencies uh, when we read the book and when we look at the different prophecies uh, that were made. And as we saw even in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, uh, a prophet uh, is appointed by God, just like Moses was appointed by God, like the first uh, prophet in Israel. And, and the prophet would hear from God and his job is to simply uh, communicate to the people uh, without any make, making any changes uh, to the message. So in that sense, the prophets played a very important role because they were the ones God was speaking to, uh, just like God spoke to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, he anointed prophets, and through them, uh, the message was given to the people. So that is the same thing that is happening in the book of Malachi. Uh, he is getting the message uh, from God, but he is simply an instrument uh, being used by God to convey God's message. And oftentimes the message that the prophets had uh, was a message uh, not very good. It was often uh, condemning people uh, for their sins and asking them to come back to God or pointing out the sins and the mistakes that they had made. 
because that is what God wanted to communicate to them. So we see 11, 12 minor prophets in the Bible and also five major prophets. And we've already gone through book of Daniel and this would be one of the minor. And the book of Malachi uh, also has a very unique style. Uh, there is a statement uh, that is made by God. So God makes a statement and people object uh, to the statement that is made by God. And God responds uh, to the objection uh, with some clarification or some uh, support uh, for the statement that he made. So it's almost like a court scene where God is presenting a case and people are objecting and God is then defending his position or offering clarification. So we see that uh, even in chapter one, there's an example where God makes a statement that I have loved you. And people ask the question, uh, wherein have you loved us? And God responds by using the example of Jacob and Esau by saying, I have loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. So we'll get into that as we go through this chapter. And as we go through the book of Malachi, we see many questions are raised. Uh, we see about 10 in chapter 1, 7 in chapter 2, uh, 6 in chapter 3. And in the book of uh, chapter 1, we, we will focus on two of them. Uh, the first one today, which is wherein thou hast loved us. And verse 6, uh, which speaks about the sacrifices that are made, where God questions uh, the quality of sacrifice. And people, the priests ask, wherein have we despised your name? And God is going to give them a reason. Uh, why he thinks that the offerings are not done correctly. And there are several other questions that we'll get into as we go along. So we'll start with verse one, uh, which simply uh, reminds us of the burden of the Lord. And so it reminds us what's in God's heart and what he's trying to communicate uh, to the people of Israel through Malachi. Okay, so the first word simply says uh, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. So uh, prophet Malachi uh, is kind of carrying the burden of the Lord and he's carrying it uh, to the people of Israel. And as we read through the chapters, we see that uh, it is a message uh, of correction uh, that is being brought uh, to the people of Israel. And the burden uh, that we can see uh, as we see read the different chapters, we see that the temple uh, was rebuilt uh, for the second time, we know that the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the temple was rebuilt, uh, but the former glory uh, was missing in the temple. And we also see that uh, there were several practices uh, that were continuing, uh, like the sacrifices and so on, uh, but there was no uh, passion, there was no real meaning in what they were doing. Uh, they were simply going through the motions, uh, going through the traditions. And there was also low moral standards and they were unable to listen and obey God's voice. And also, even though they've gone through many experiences with God, they were unable to learn uh, any lessons uh, from history or from the time that they have spent uh, in exile. So many of these are still the burden that God has. Uh, we might have many churches, uh, but the glory of God may not be present. Uh, in many churches, they may be doing all the right things, but they may be doing without any passion or without any uh, uh, real uh, meaning or real from the heart. 
And we also see that today we see a lot of corruption, a lot of low moral standards. And if you don't have good moral standards, if there are sin in our life, then obviously we cannot hear uh, God's voice. And like the people of Israel, we fail to learn uh, from what has happened in the past. And oftentimes we keep going back to the same sins or we keep going back to the same mistake. In verses uh, two to five, uh, it speaks about God's love and how the back and forth takes place where there's a statement that is made and objection that is raised and how God clarifies or defends his original statement. Okay, so these are very strong words uh, that are used against uh, Esau and his descendants, the Edomites. And God is using this example. And obviously, God could have used uh, many examples to defend the statement uh, that he has loved uh, the people of Israel. Uh, but he has used this particular example where he says, I have loved Jacob, but I've hated Esau. And no matter how hard the, uh, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, they may try, uh, the God is not going to let them rebuild. He's not going to let them uh, resettle because uh, of his indignation against them, uh, which is going to last uh, forever. So we'll go through this. So God begins uh, with a very foundational truth uh, that God is love. And that is something that all of us uh, should believe. And unless we believe that, uh, we really cannot begin our Christian faith. And 1 John 4, 8 uh, reminds us that God is love. So that is foundational to our Christian faith. Uh, it is foundational to what we believe. And we also saw in Deuteronomy 7, uh, 7 and 8, uh, in the context of people of Israel, it says, the Lord did not uh, set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord uh, loved you. So God reminded them that they were not the greatest, uh, they were not the best, they were not the biggest, but God uh, chose to love them uh, despite their being small. So it is God who made that choice uh, to love them. And again, in Jeremiah 31 and verse three, we are reminded that uh, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So there are many references that we can use uh, to support uh, that statement that God is love, uh, even though many a times it may feel that God is not loving us, or we may feel uh, rejected, we may feel uh, discouraged, uh, we may feel uh, dejected. So, so that is the position that the people of Israel are in, and they counter back uh, to God's statement by saying, wherein uh, hast thou loved us? So we see that uh, people of Israel, they fail to recognize and appreciate God's love. That tells us that they were forgetful or maybe they were ungrateful or they were living in the past as we saw uh, when they were going through the wilderness. When things were not working out, they started looking back uh, at what they ate uh, in Egypt, uh, even though they were in bondage, uh, they were not able to see that. And we also see that when we are living in sin, uh, it clouds our perception of how God is working, uh, even through the challenges uh, that we may go going through, uh, even through the dryness of our life, uh, God is always uh, working in our life. So it is natural for us uh, to question God's love uh, when we are going through a crisis or disappointment or when our prayers are not answered uh, for a long time. 
but that doesn't change the truth uh, that God is love. And that is what God is trying to emphasize uh, to the people of Israel, that he is love. And he's going to use the example of Jacob and Israel uh, as his uh, response. And we know that uh, Isaac and Rebekah, they had uh, twins, which was Esau and Jacob. And Esau came out first, which made him the elder brother. And in Genesis uh, 25, 23, we see that God chose Jacob uh, even before his birth. So that was uh, God's uh, election. So it reads in Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord said unto her, uh, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve uh, the younger. So even before the children were born, uh, God had already made the choice. God had already made the election that uh, Jacob would be the favored one, and Esau would be rejected. And after birth, uh, we see that all of this uh, comes true. Uh, we know that uh, Esau, he traded his birthright uh, to Jacob for a bowl of soup. And later on, when Isaac is about to die, uh, Jacob again deceives uh, his elder brother and he steals the blessing uh, that is reserved for the first son. And when he is running away from Esau, uh, we know that he encounters the Lord uh, when he's sleeping in the stone and God reminds him uh, about the promise that was made to Abraham and everything is reinforced. And as we go through the Bible, we also see that descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, uh, they are blessed more uh, than the descendants of Esau, which would be the Edomites. And even though they both uh, have their seasons of failure, uh, we see that God is uh, favorable to the Israelites and they continue to be restored uh, they continue to find uh, favor with God. So God just uh, uses this example as a contrast uh, to show that uh, because they were favored, uh, they were able to enjoy all these blessings. And because God loved them, uh, he chose them. So uh, oftentimes this seems like an unfair decision because even before Esau was born, God had already made the decision so the decision was not based on how Esau behaved or how Jacob behaved. Uh, God simply made that decision uh, before uh, Jacob, before they were born. So it's kind of difficult for us uh, to really understand uh, that decision by God. But God being God, uh, he has the right to decide. And we also know that God is just, so he's not going to make uh, any mistakes. Uh, in the same way, uh, in our life, there are many things that we may not fully understand. But uh, if we truly love the Lord, we know that God is uh, always in control. And we should not question God's ways or God's uh, dealings with us or how God takes us through uh, in this journey of life. And even as we are reminded always from Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to those who love him. And in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it reminds us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, uh, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
So, so looking at our life and also looking at the people of Israel, they might question why it happened the way it happened, but that was simply the decision that God made. And when we go to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 9, uh, Paul also deals with the same issue in a little bit more uh, detail. So we can, okay, so here Paul is kind of expanding a little bit more. We're not going to spend too much time, but he also comes to the same conclusion. Uh, oh man, who art thou that repliest uh, against God? God being God, uh, he can do what he wants uh, in his sovereign will and in his sovereign wisdom. And he uses the example, uh, what is being created uh, cannot question the one uh, that is creating it, the potter and the clay, that example. And in verse 11, as we see, uh, the purpose of God according to election might stand, not by works, but of him that calleth. So the one calling is God, and he's making his decision not based on works, as we saw with uh, Jacob and Esau. He called them before they were born, and it was not based on their works. And, and again, he asked that question, is there unrighteousness with God? And he says no. So it may seem like God is being unjust uh, in the way he's treating Jacob and Esau. But again, Paul says that is not true. Uh, God being God, uh, he chooses what he does. Uh, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. He will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. And even people like Pharaoh that he raised, uh, even they were raised uh, with a specific purpose. Uh, so that their heart would be hardened. And through that, God was able to do uh, miracles uh, in Egypt. And later on, we'd see that the people of Israel were released. Okay, so God's love is shown through selection of Jacob or his descendants, the Israelites, and the rejection of Esau or the descendants, Edomites. And again, uh, the word hate, uh, we, we find it like a very strong a negative word. So some people suggest uh, that a better way of looking at it is that the hate is the opposite of being chosen. So the Jacob uh, Israelites were chosen, uh, whereas the Edomites or the descendants of Esau, they were rejected. And Jacob, uh, even though he fell, he was restored. Whereas when Esau fell, uh, they were not uh, restored or not at least fully restored and they lost many of the blessings. And, and in Luke uh, 14, 26, uh, we said, Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father, mother, and so on, he cannot be my disciple. So obviously uh, the Lord is not saying that we need to hate our parents or hate our family or hate our siblings. Uh, he is essentially saying that he needs to be a higher priority and everything else uh, should take a second priority. So even in this context, uh, we see that the word hate uh, may not uh, correctly apply because obviously God doesn't want us to hate our family members. And when we go through the book, uh, through different passages about Edomites, uh, we see that uh, they were able to acquire land, even as we read in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 2 and 12. So just like the Israelites, they entered the promised land and they displaced uh, the people who are living there through conflicts and they acquired the land. Uh, in the same way we read in Deuteronomy 2.12 that Edomites, uh, they displaced the Horebs and they acquired their land. 
And we also read this verse when we're doing Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 20 through 7, where the respect uh, was maintained uh, for the Edomites. And it says, thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. So even though they were the rejected ones, but God still respected them uh, as family uh, when the Israelites were dealing with them. And in different passages, we see about the defeat of Edomites or the conflicts they were in uh, with King David and also with Amaziah, as we read in 2 Kings 14.7. Uh, he slew of Edom in the Valley of Salt, uh, 10,000. And we also see uh, passages that refer to the recovery of Edomites or coming back. And there's a prophecy in Amos 9.12 uh, that a remnant of them uh, will be restored. So we see that even though God was not favorable uh, to the Edomites, uh, they were still sustained uh, because they had a land and there is also a prophecy that a remnant will turn back to God or they will join uh, with the Israelites. And by doing that, uh, they would be restored. So that is the message of hope uh, that we also saw in the book of Deuteronomy, that God is just and God is also uh, a God of love. And when we come back to him uh, through confession and through repentance, there is always that door of uh, receiving a full uh, restoration. And in Ezekiel 25, 12, it speaks about the punishment of Edomites. It says, thus saith the Lord God, because that Edom had dwelt, dealt against the house of Judah by taking uh, vengeance and had greatly offended and revenged uh, himself upon them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand upon Edom and will cut off man and beast uh, from it, and I will make it uh, desolate uh, from Teman, and they of Dedan uh, shall fall by the sword. So that's similar to the prophecy that's being made, uh, even in the book of Malachi. So we often ask that question, does God choose us, or do we choose God? And when we read the scriptures, uh, we can say yes uh, to both. Uh, in John 15, 16, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, which, uh, which, which suggests that God is the one who is choosing us. But there are also other verses that remind us that, like in Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved, uh, which, uh, which suggests that we also need to take the initiative. And also we read in uh, 1 John 4:19, uh, we love him because he first loved us. So we are kind of responding to God's love and we are taking that uh, initiative. So the answer could be yes uh, to both and it may be hard to explain otherwise. So we'll just close with some uh, reflections and open it up for some opinions. So these are the three things uh, that we want to touch upon, which is the burden of the Lord, uh, the love of God and character of God. and so burden of the Lord, uh, even today, uh, God has the same burden uh, for the church. Uh, he has the same burden for us uh, as believers. So when he looks at the church, uh, we need to ask ourselves whether the former uh, glory is missing, uh, even within the local church. And we need to ask ourselves whether we are simply going through traditions, uh, going to church on Sunday, attending different meetings 
but there is no real passion in our heart. Uh, there is no real change uh, that is happening in our lives. And we are like the church that is lukewarm. And even today we see uh, the moral standards are not at a level uh, which God expects from the church. And oftentimes the spiritual life of believers are compromised uh, based on the decisions that they make. And even believers are unable to listen and obey God's voice. We know that God spoke to Moses uh, clearly, and today God speaks to us uh, through his word. But if there is sin in our life, uh, or if there is sin in the life of a church, then the church uh, will not be able to listen. Uh, they will not be able to hear God's voice. And just like the Israelites, oftentimes we are unable to learn from God as what God has taught us in the past. So we end up making the same mistakes. Uh, we end up going in the same path uh, that was made. And we see that uh, churches are growing uh, around the world, but that by itself does not mean uh, that it is growing according to God's pattern or according to God's will. So the health uh, of the church is obviously very important. And that is what uh, God cares about, the quality of the church and not the growth or not the numbers or not the uh, size of the building and so on. So all of these are concerns that God had and he showed it uh, to Malachi. But we see that uh, even today, if God were to raise a prophet and send us a letter, uh, we may see some of the same things that Malachi had written. And we talked about the love of God, where God gives a statement that I love you. And that is something that we hear about uh, on Sundays or during the week or at different places. But oftentimes uh, we are not really confident uh, about God's love. Uh, we still go through periods of anxiety. We go through periods of uncertainty. Uh, we go through times when we uh, question the love of God. And if that is the case, uh, just like we saw in the book of Malachi, God will remind us of different verses. And those are the verses that we need to claim by faith. Uh, these are just three, but obviously there are hundreds of verses uh, that remind us that God loves us and he cares for us. Uh, he cares for every small detail uh, in our life. So we know from John 3.16 that God so loved the world. Uh, and because of that, he made the ultimate uh, sacrifice, uh, which is to give up his only begotten son. And we are reminded of the same thing in Ephesians uh, 5.25. And Romans uh, 5.8 uh, reminds us that God did not offer himself as a sacrifice for holy people or for good people, but he was willing to make that sacrifice, uh, even though we were sinners, even though we were far from us. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ uh, died for us, which is again an illustration that God loves us. And from uh, this uh, few verses that we read, uh, we should be reminded of the character of God, and we should believe in that, that God is love, and God does not change. So God's love for us uh, never changes, uh, even though it may seem like God's love is changing. Uh, when that happens, uh, it's more than likely that our love for God is changing or we are drifting away from God. And that is why we are not able to experience God's love or we are not able to experience God's presence. 